Welcome back uh, to episode five. We have the numbers, our conversation about MTV's The Challenge. Guys, we had our first cliffhanger of the season, which is not my favorite, but we were definitely due for it after four uh, very robust episodes prior to this one. And to make matters worse, we ended this episode with what looks like a shattered arm for two-time Red Skull winner Jay. So uh, I don't know how you guys are feeling. That really harshed my mellow after a very nice evening. But hopefully Jay is okay and can rebound and continue to get his ass handed to him by Rogan in this elimination. Uh, before we get into all of that and more, just another reminder to remember to subscribe to us. Again, we have the numbers on Spotify and to follow us at Instagram on We Have the Numbers Pod. Uh, before we get into the episode recap, Justin, you did such a great job last time recapping the status of our fantasy league that uh, I'd love for you to go ahead and do that again. Uh, the reason we do this is because you'll hear us mention our fantasy players each week. And since everybody loves hearing about other people's fantasy teams, we thought it would be important to give you just a little bit of context. And this also gives uh, the other four on this pod an opportunity to shit on my team, which is performing historically poorly. So, uh, Justin, I'll shut up and, and leave it to you to catch us up on uh, the fantasy scoring. Thank you, Zach. I did do a great job. So, going into this week, the leader was Cindy with 415 points. Trevor was next with 356. Pat was in third with 303. And now we are done with the major leagues and we head into the minor leagues where I have 203 and Zach has 175, which is quite a bit behind. I can't do the math real time. So big winners for this week. Cindy's actually going to have another big week, even though she's down two players already, because she had two of the people that won the challenge. And then she had Bear, who did not have coitus, but got very close, and I'm very proud of her for getting this far. <laughs> and, uh, and, but other people that might have scored highly was uh, Jordan. Wes got into a bunch of uh, fights with Josh and then Jordan. Um, and sadly, my guy, my number one contender, Rogan, will not get extra points because of said cliffhanger, even though he broke a dude's arm this week, which should be bonus points. Yeah, so we have, we have no hospitalization points. We had to go back and, and check that last week when they sent Nelson to the hospital in his aluminum check blanket. But yeah, Rogan will be a high score whenever this, whenever this elimination wraps up. So yeah, again, uh, my team specifically, like I said, could not possibly do worse. Uh, Kyle was in the negatives last week. He was the only player in all of the entire season who was in single digits through four weeks. So really incredible stuff from my team. Uh, just to, I think just I, context, Kyle has eight points. Jen, who you might remember, was eliminated like a vacation ago, and she has 16 points. Kyle has not yet caught Jen. It's, it's, it's really not fair. Asaf, who people probably don't even remember, is probably outscoring Kyle at this point. But anyway, this isn't a podcast to talk just about our fantasy teams, especially my very, very terrible one, or to talk about Kyle, who's been very disappointing this season. We want to talk to you about the challenge. We had another really great episode. So let's, let's jump right into it. I think, uh, you know, challenge was really great. Elimination seems like it was brewing to be entertaining, maybe not that competitive. But I think the real highlight for all of us is we finally got uh, the peak or, or maybe what looks like the peak of this bear and Kayla romance. So, you know, the episode starts and Kayla is off in a corner of the house speaking with Jenna. And 
And Jenna's asking her questions about her relationship with her boyfriend back home, who's been mentioned in every single episode and whose heart is definitely going to be broken at some point. We just know it's coming. It's been in every single promo video. And Kayla says to Jenna directly that I would never risk anything back home for Bear. So Pat, first question comes to you. Let's say you're Kayla's boyfriend and you haven't seen any of the previews for the show. You're living under a rock. You just don't want, want to know what happened. Uh, but you're watching the show with, with your girlfriend. And you hear Kayla say this to Jenna, that she wouldn't risk anything back home for Bear. So at this point, on a scale from 1 to 10, how positive are you that Kayla is going to hook up with Bear? Alright, I, I have thoughts. First of all, what the fuck is Kayla's boyfriend like if if she thinks Bear is an attractive personality and human being? Like, how shitty is he? So that leads into the fact that he definitely knows this is happening. But, like, I don't know. First of all, thank you for asking me this question. Uh, quarantine hasn't been bad at all. I'm in, a, I'm in a great mental spot, so I'd love to really dig in here. Um, second of all, I really hope that he does not subject himself to this tape because this game film is not going to be pretty for him. Uh, third of all, it's what's the highest amount? It's hundred percent. Yes. He, he knows this is happening. If, if this is the kind of guy she's attracted to, he a hundred percent knows this is happening and, uh, yeah, probably pretty upset about it. Yeah, so the scale was one to 10, but I think you choosing 100% is indicative of all of our faith, collective faith in Gala. It is definitely 100 on a scale from one, on one to 10. So we, we, we all certainly know it's coming. And, uh, you know, just to skip ahead a little bit in the episode, they, they have another night out and yet another fabulous prog bar. Trevor, you must have been very proud seeing the bricks again, uh, just kind of the smoke filling the room. It was just a, another lovely establishment. Anyway, they're out. Bear's having drinks. He's making his attentions known. They come home. He's decked out in just this incredible gray sweatsuit, which is a very bold move, which we'll talk about in a second. But he's in a full gray and red sweatsuit. He's putting the moves on Kayla. Kayla's resisting him. But then they go to the bathroom together to brush their teeth. They do a little flirting, a little kicking, weird stuff. And then it happens. And they finally make out. It's the culmination that Bear certainly has been looking for. Kayla ended the kiss pretty abruptly, but still was very much into the kiss while it happened. And there's no good way for me to say this because I think my mom sometimes <laughs> listens to this podcast, but uh, we had a classic reality TV moment where, you know, Bear's been ramping up for this. He's been saving out for the Kayla hookup and he's wearing a sweatsuit. So the best way to say this is we, were, we saw a little bit of, of Bear's cub poking out from the gray sweatsuit. And he, had raging, to, he had a raging boner. Let's not sugarcoat it. <laughs> there was a direction. There was a, there was a big erection on it. So, Trevor, again, feels like another perfect question to ask you. So, what is the move if you're someone like Bear and you're on reality television and your cub is poking out in sweatpants? What do you do? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I had the unique circumstance growing up of obviously living in the Czech Republic, as we've spoken about, and then transitioning back to Cincinnati public schools, uh, where I would wear, you know, tall tees from foot action and and double xl lavar errington pro ball jerseys to school regularly um to having some academic struggles there and then transitioning to catholic school where part of the dress code was to have a white polo tucked into your to your pants so concealing maybe something that you're not in full control of at a certain age is a challenge that you you have to address head on um bear went for the pocket sort of reach um 
you know, that's I, maybe that's a British cultural thing. But if if you're from from a Catholic school anywhere, you know that the tuck and roll is the only move. Your belt is your best friend. So I, I think a sweatsuit maybe is extenuating circumstances here. But but you know, Bear he he played with the the cards he was dealt. So I think tuck and roll. You usually want to lean on a belt or a waistline. But I think Bear did a fine job with uh, handling it through the pocket. I guess. Uh, I had the over under on LeVar Arrington jersey mentions in relations to hiding an erection at 0.5. So over smashed early in this pod. Good job uh, for anyone who bet on that. Whew, okay. Also carrying so, a duffel bag, wasn't he? Also carrying a duffel bag to the back. Like cover it with the duffel bag? He, he seems like the kind of guy, and we now we have now video evidence of it, who isn't particularly concerned about hiding it. So yeah, uh, crazy. And, and Cindy, we'll, we'll actually stick with you with that observation. So, uh, you know, thinking practically now and, and thinking for me, at least, as somebody who's very invested in Kayla's fantasy success, but I guess uh, lack of life success on this show, what do you think happens to them now? We saw her again pull away, probably regretting it. She's talked a lot about this boyfriend back home. What are your predictions for the Baron Kayla fling moving forward? I think the most logical thing would be to call your boyfriend, talk about it, feel bad, apologize. But from what I've gathered about Kayla, I don't think that's going to be her move. I also don't think Bear's going to be able to keep it quiet at all. So like the house is going to know in about 10 more seconds that this actually happened. So I kind of think it's going to become a thing. And I'm totally fine with that because Bear's on my team. So I would love to see this continue throughout the rest of the season. Bear, again, is just a phenomenal person on the show. I think his behavior as far as being persistent is still a little bit creepy with Kayla, but clearly she's flirting back some. And yeah, I, I really hope Bear sticks around for a long time because we, we, need his, we need his energy on the show. So that was kind of the main side plot of this episode. The challenge itself, another really great, well-produced challenge. They, they really have upped their pyrotechnics game in this, in this season. So this one's called Bomb Squad, and it's just uh, you know amalgamation of a bunch of different cool things. We have a car that's riding on its side wheels, and one of the members of the team of four is supposed to look out of the car while it's on its side for math equations, and somebody does the equation, there, and there are a bunch of steps, and eventually someone's just supposed to take these three colored pool noodles and put them in holes, and then there's an explosion. It's, pretty, it's a pretty simple thing. But of course... These people cannot complete very simple tasks. So we saw Jay, first team to go. He doesn't even look for the first math equation. His team's immediately eliminated because they have, they have incomplete information. Rogan's team goes. Rogan's doing the math, and he bricks the math. So, you know, they, they bring the pool, pool noodles. They put them in the holes. It doesn't explode because it's the wrong thing. Corey on his team, his team does a flawless job. His only job is to run in a straight line. <laughs> and put these noodles in three holes. And he just didn't do it. He couldn't figure out where the pool, pool noodles went. So anyway, it just feels like the team's really messed up the positional assignment. So Justin, question for you. Should your smartest person be in the car or doing the math or in, in another role in this challenge? Yeah, it's a really good question. I have, I have a lot of thoughts. So the first thing is that as Rogan's team, they showed is that you don't need to have anybody do anything with their brain except for the second person. The person who does the math 
can do both the math and the puzzle because they run and then can also solve the puzzle and then yell at a dummy like Nelson to just pick up numbers. So you put the smartest person at the second one, you put your fastest person at the third one because they're probably stupid like Corey, and then you have the last person go who can actually figure out where the pool noodles are supposed to go, which is not a thing that I thought was going to be a problem when I first saw this challenge. It, it, it was really unbelievable how we bricked that. Uh, you know, we, I think that team probably had a good shot. It took them at least five seconds or so of him running around the, the box that was very clearly the, the home for the pool noodles. So, yeah, really embarrassing for, for Corey and for Rogan and honestly for Jay. So the and, winners... And- Oh, just, right. just real quick on Corey then casually sticking the noodles into the thing and being on the other side of the box next to the pyrotechnics. I know that explosion looks small, but he was only like 10 feet away from them. He absolutely could have got some sort of maiming through there. Like, and he had no concern. He just couldn't Jenna walked into it. Yes. Jenna walked into it. She just yes. walked straight forward into the explosion. It, it was it was really strange and like you could tell that people who were watching the challenge happen were close they could see it like bananas is yelling at Corey where to put the noodles so they had some experience seeing where the explosion would take place and still got too close to the flame but again there nothing can surprise me as far as dumb behavior goes on this show so the winning team was josh jenny swaggy and casey and Swaggy again proclaims that he's the smartest person in the house. And it turns out that he might be right again. He gets the math the quickest, the fastest, and his team is off and running and, and does a really good job. And, you know, Cindy pointed this out. Swaggy has now been in three tribunals in five, in five sessions. He's a rookie too, or I guess they're calling them prospects. He should be going in as often as Jay is. He probably is less of a physical threat than Jay is yet Swaggy manages again to keep himself safe for now because of his math prowess. And guys, I'm, I'm switching things up a little bit here. Uh, I have a, when I say go related to this. So, you know, Swaggy and a few of the other contestants doing math yet again, some of the contestants attempting to do math. Uh, you know, it, it got me thinking it's April. It's supposed to be tax season, although this is very strange times, but let's say it's tax season. And, you know, I, th- I think it would be safe to say that, some of these challenge members are, are probably not the best with numbers and are almost definitely going to personal accountants to H&R Block. I doubt they even really have the capacity to handle TurboTax, even if it holds their hand through the process. So when I say go, I want you to tell me who you trust most, who's currently in the challenge house, to file your taxes. Justin, we'll start with you. So the short answer is none of these people. But I'm going to answer the question. So what I want out of this person is I want uh, competency and I want trustworthiness. Competency is really lacking in the math department for most of these people. And I'm going to eliminate right out of the gate all of the UK people because the differences in the tax code between the, the England and the US is so vast. I just don't want to deal with it. So we go on to trustworthiness. And I want somebody who I think is a straight shooter who will give it to me straight and I know is not going to cheat me. So I think I'm going to go with Casey. Wow. She's not necessarily the smartest person in the world, but I know she's not going to be up to some shady shit and charging me unreal amounts for work that she's not actually doing. So I think 
that has to be the pick for me. Nice pick. Cindy, what about you? Oh, I didn't really think about the US-UK tax code thing. So you pointed that out. Who does? I still am going to stick with my pick, though. And I'm going to go with Rogan. Now, wow. I know he totally botched the math problem. However, I have confidence in him over anyone else to do math when he's not under pressure. That was a lot of pressure. So I'm hoping that when he has time to actually slow down and think about things, he could get the right answer. Nice. Yeah. I, after seeing Rogan do the math incorrectly and, and lead Nelson astray, I don't think I want him, him touching my, my taxes, but I'll, I'll, I'll stick with your rationale. Trevor, are you going to pick Maddie again? So as <laughs> tempting as that is, no, I, I actually was going to pick Casey because I think she would do it right. But at this point in time, my taxes are not that complicated. So I'm just going to open up a laptop, go on TurboTax myself and sit with Bear. And then I'm going to make a commitment to a mid-process that 50% of whatever my tax return is, him and I are going to do like a Matt Lads or Mates weekend or whatever he freaking wants to call it in Ibiza. And it's going to be a little bit of our little fun, funny money budget. Okay. So there's no one actually, you know, touching my personal information here if it's not going to be Casey, but I'll sit with, I'll sit with Bear through the process. All right, that's a that's a bit of a cop out, but that does sound like a lot of fun. Just just the entertainment value of sitting with Bear while on TurboTax is is enough, uh, let alone a weekend in Ibiza with him with half of your return. All right, Pat, what about you? Look, Trevor, if you want to do drugs, I'll do drugs with you. Like we don't <laughs> we don't have to bring Bear for any reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> for for me, uh, <laughs> I need someone that's calm, collected and needs money, and that's Anissa. And that's my answer. I think Anissa is solid. Okay. I mean, again, she's been doing taxes for a long time as well, right? So, <laughs> so some, of these pe some of these people are young. Some of them are very new to money. We don't even know if there's income tax in Australia or in the UK, as Justin said. I, it, it remains to be seen. That's a whole other world from here. So I think Anissa is a, is a very safe pick. Um, nobody said Swaggy. And I know I texted that you shouldn't say Swaggy, and I appreciate that, no, that nobody did that. The reason I said you can't pick Swaggy is not because he's the smartest guy in the house or self-proclaimed smartest guy in the house. It's because he was tweeting this week about how much money he's been making. And anybody who goes on Twitter to talk about their income is up to no good. And what I think happens is if Swaggy gets a hold of any of our, any of our, uh, our, our tax filings and he has access to our returns, that's going straight into a Ponzi scheme, like 85%. I'm, I'm so certain that he, he's starting a, a Ponzi scheme with that money. Um, my pick is Wes. Again, Wes has been around the block, super safe, clearly a smart guy. I believe he has a significant other, so he may have experience filing jointly, which I certainly need filing with my wife. So uh, Wes is my very safe pick. Wes is stealing your money. Yeah. He's 100% stealing your money. Wow. Yeah. Also, congrats on the sex. Settle down. <laughs> that is odd one tonight. We, we, we need to open up the economy so Pat can get outside again. This is getting dangerous. Uh, I can't date anyone. It's all. <laughs> so uh, let, let's get back to the episode here. So uh, we, we come back from this challenge and we have the House vote. Again, the tribunal is Josh, Jenny, Swaggy, and Casey. And before this, we had Josh bickering a little bit with Wes uh, saying that Wes and him have a rivalry, which Wes kind of just brushed off. So anyway, uh, 
the we the, the house is very clearly going to vote in Jay. I, I won't spoil this. There's some rumors that Wes is going to try to put Jordan in, but those flame out. And Jay goes back in because he's a safe vote. Everyone thinks he's the weakest guy, which is, is probably accurate as far as the physical challenge goes. And you don't burn any bridges by voting Jay in. So Jay goes in. And now we're back with the tribunal. Uh, Josh gets his way, and Wes is one of the picks. Rogan gets his way since he has a bunch of buddies in the tribunal. And he is one of the people that's selected because he really wants to go in against Jay and uh, beat him because of their manufactured rivalry. And then I have no idea why Nelson went in, but it's just hilarious because Nelson is just, he's just in the tribunal and has no idea what he's doing. So the, the, it becomes pretty clear that Rogan is dying to go in and they're going to send Rogan in, which is fine. But the highlight of the tribunal is really Josh trying to, alpha his way with Wes and and Wes basically saying that Josh there's no thing between you and I I have no reason to ever throw in the weakest player in the house he's like you can you can try to say there's something but you're not on the same level as me so Trevor how should Josh respond after getting verbally degraded by Wes during Josh's tribunal Yeah, so you thought my last offer or my last answer was a cop out. This is going to be the cop out of the century. I think he actually handled it kind of well. Josh has the self awareness to know that Wes is playing chess and Josh is hardly capable of playing checkers. He's more of a tic tac toe kind of guy. So him just being like, oh, well, uh, yeah, don't you see he's mean, guys, is like really the only thing he can do. If he tries to implement some next level strategy, I think it's going to fail. I think he's well aware that Wes has been around the block more than him and is just light years beyond him. So just kind of playing to people's emotions and saying Wes is a mean guy, as much as it's a playground move for a five-year-old, it's really the only thing that's going to work for Josh. Yeah, if he gets into a battle of wits with with Wes, he is 100% going to lose that. I, I completely agree with you. I think the real strategy would have been to probably not come at Wes from the very beginning. From the start, yeah. Yeah, but I, I agree. I think all things considered, he did it well, which just kind of shows how either dominant Wes is or how bad politically Josh is, where it was just kind of a, a lost cause at that point. Um, so, Justin, I also just want to briefly touch on Nelson. So, Nelson comes in there, and they wanted to give Casey a little bit of, of uh, speaking time since she said so little. And uh, she decides to pick him because she says she's barely spoken with him, like maybe spoken with him less than anybody else uh, in, in the entire house. And I'll let you uh, actually touch a bit on his fashion as well in this answer because I know you want to discuss the beanie. But at this point, is it possible for Nelson to have played a worse game through five weeks? Okay. There's a lot wrapped into this answer. First off, I want to start with the fact that I don't think that Nelson is always bad. He looks fly most of the time. Most of the stuff he's wearing is incredible. He looks great. His hair is great. He's in incredible shape. They were showing his body earlier while he's working out with Corey. Dude is jacked. He is a terrible political player. He's really bad. Every season he's been on, he gets blindsided like four or five times. He has no idea what's going on. And I think his brain finally adjusted to the fact that he shouldn't be in eliminations at all. He just doesn't want to be in them. So now he thinks that no matter what, he shouldn't be in eliminations. So he goes into this with Jay there, and he's like, I absolutely don't want to be in. There's no way I want to be in. I'm, he was, like, offended that his name was put on the board, even though this was good. 
this could have been a good situation for him, but he just chose that, you know, I'm just playing where I don't want to go in. I don't want a red scroll. Red scrolls are terrible. Who cares about that? I don't – I hate TJ's final. It's all, it's all crap. And compounded on top of that is the fact that his beanie, which started at a normal beanie height, went a full foot and a half above his head. And he's got, like a, he's got a pretty high head of hair. It's not that high. I don't understand where he bought this beanie. Like, I have – I'm bald. I don't look for beanies like this. I don't know if they're on the market. I don't know if they have super high beanies for guys like him. But it, it looked absurd to me, and I, didn't, I did not appreciate it. And I don't think it helped get him any favors while he was in the, tri- or in the tribunal. Yeah, that's an answer. Yeah, I, I, he didn't even have a strategy going in. He, he wasn't sure if he wanted to go in and face Jay. He wasn't sure if he wanted to be safe. He didn't know if he was supposed to like, nurture relationships or if he was supposed to you know, continue to be defensive. I mean, he just has played every season I've ever seen without any strategy, and it's incredible. But he, he completely just re- entirely relies on his brawn, and it's gotten him this far. So, again, no spoil. Oh, go ahead. So, I mean, just to JB's point, like, he literally had a dunce hat that was growing on top <laughs> of his head while he was in the tribunal. Yeah. I mean, it's that- sad. It's like, that's what it is. It's true. It's like Pinocchio's nose. He just has the dunce hat that gets taller and taller. The, the more mistakes he makes, it's it's amazing. Uh, so so no, there are no spoilers here. Uh, you know, it, it looks clear that they're gonna they're, they want Rogan to go in, and we go see the elimination, and it's the classic called balls in. Which uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, historically, basically it's offense and defense. Each player tries to essentially. Uh, place a ball in a hoop in the center and the other player defends and tries to knock the ball away or push the player outside of the big circle. So it's kind of like a a one-on-one football drill. This time it's called fireball because of course this season they're both in flame retardant suits and TJ has a giant blowtorch and lights the ball on fire. But anyway, Jay goes down. He's looking to see who the tribunal's going to put in. Everyone thinks it's going to be Rogan. And then Jay basically says, why don't you just come on down, Rogan? So, Cindy, if you're in Jay's position and you see eh, Nelson and Wes, also big guys up there, but you know that Rogan hates you, is the strongest of the three, and it's very clearly a physical competition, uh, do you think it's a good idea to fire him up by kind of like inviting him down to face you before the tribunal votes? Absolutely not. (laughs) It's a huge mistake. He knows that Rogan already hates him after kissing D. I think he's just trying to prove himself now because everyone keeps sending him back in. Obviously, it comes and backfires on him because I'm pretty sure Rogan snapped his arm. I could not watch it because I would have thrown up. But Yeah, that, that made me a little squeamish too. Cindy, I actually have another question for you while we're here. So you mentioned the, the kissing D thing. Yeah. I just want to point out that we are like one episode removed from D and Rogan allegedly hating each other and Rogan moved on and D has moved on and they're flirting with different people. So is there actually something between the two of them or are they just hyping this up so we can make a a theoretical Jay and Rogan showdown more appealing? I don't know because she's back to like saying that she's his right or he's her right or die, whatever. And then at the beginning of the episode, Rogan starts by saying that he has to like venge the kiss or whatever. And I was like, wait, three episodes ago, wasn't he going after Jen? And was like, there's absolutely nothing between D and I. And now all of a sudden we're spending all this time and he wants revenge about this kiss that he didn't care about three episodes ago. So I'm confused. I have no idea what's going on with these two. 
I, I am too. I don't buy any of it. But anyway, Jay, for some reason, it just looks at this point like he feels defeated. He's sick of going in for, for yet another time. And he knows he's probably going to lose. But So why not kind of try to be a hero on the way out? So he invites Rogan down. We, we get the – TJ goes through the, the rules for fireball. And Jay is on offense first. It is 9.28 p.m. So this is something that I noticed and I was tracking the entire time. So I had a good sense that this wasn't going to end well. We'd also seen some promos that alluded to an injury. So Jay has the fireball in his hands. And it's his turn to try to get past Rogan. And he steps inside the circle and kind of freezes. And then tries to do some sort of juke move. So, Pat, this is a perfect question for you. You've literally just spent 25 hours writing an NFL draft recap. It's analysis that you do every single year. So uh, two questions for you. How would you rate Jay's attempted first juke against Rogan as a running back going against an oversized linebacker? And secondly, uh, is Jay injury prone? Yeah. So uh, also, if you want that draft recap, you can go to Fantasy Football Calculator or you can just email it to me. I'm not going to make you pay for it. You can just email me. Anyway. We'll, We'll edit that out. Yeah, cool. Uh, look, when when you line up across the line of scrimmage from someone, you, you just have to use your advantages. You have to identify your strengths and use your advantages. Rogan is massive. Okay, Rogan's measurables are off the charts. Possibly PED related, but that's really neither here nor there. But he's probably like 230, good explosion, great lift, excellent athleticism. Uh, again, possibly PED pushed but again a great tackler you're in trouble okay you're jay you got speed and endurance and that is literally it you need to make a move immediately and run for your life you are a boxer you need to dodge him for like 20 minutes to wear him out and he just freezes he doesn't use any of his strengths and he's dead (laughs) So I don't think there's red flags for injuries here. I just think that's a freak incident of him freezing. He put himself in that position. His field awareness is clearly a negative and uh, he's probably going home. Now, now Trevor, you got a bit of a, of an info wars take here. Uh, You were saying before the show started that you think that Jay isn't actually hurt and he's going to get up and finish the elimination. I I want you to, to, to go, go a little more on that because I saw the way he landed on that arm and the way he was wheezing on Mike. And I'm, I'm not feeling great about Jay getting up and finishing this. He has, the, he has the wind knocked out of him. Get his arms over his head. Get the diaphragm opened up. He's going to be fine just to get tackled like that three more times. It's good. Like, He's going to finish it out. It's going to be ugly. I don't give a shit if he gets back up. He's not getting past Rogan a single time. And He's, he's never going to get past him. But he's going to get hit again, though. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think this is the end of the road for Jay. One thing I'm very curious about is how TJ awards a red skull if nobody put the ball in the hoop and one guy broke another guy's arm. Uh, I don't know. D- does, Rogan, does Rogan get a red skull? Does he get like a, a, a free shot on net? I mean, I, I'm assuming the answer is yes if Jay is truly uh, medically eliminated. Do, do we all agree? Yeah. If Rogan doesn't get the red skull, I'm flying to Czechoslovakia myself and I am hunting TJ out of the bunker. Get it's, a Czech, out it's a Czech Republic. You're also now, time traveling then if you go to Czechoslovakia. Have you seen where they have been living? They live in Czechoslovakia. They do not live in the Czech Republic. That's true. 
That's a really good point. So yeah, we, we, we end on a cliffhanger and I just want to take time to, to again mention the, the film study that everybody should be doing as you get more serious about the challenge. I said it was 928 when the, the, the elimination actually started. I was checking my watch at 9.12 p.m. We were still in the tribunal and Wes was still in the process of openly degrading Josh in front of his friend. So uh, again, MTV thinks I'm out here playing checkers. I'm really playing chess. I wish they would do a better job of disguising their cliffhangers, but, but here we are. So anyway, guys, it looks like we'll, we'll start the, the next episode with, uh, I guess, an overview of what happens to Jay and what happens to Rogan in the end of that elimination, but it doesn't look good for, the only male in the house who currently has a red skull. So now is my favorite time of each of our episodes and we have the numbers. It's time for stars of the episode. And Pat, I want to come right back to you after your draft analysis. Who were your stars of the episode? All right. Uh, mine are sweats. So we, <laughs> we already talked about the uh, tent-like showing that Bear sweats had. Uh, that that boner was uh, very obvious. The hand grab was spectacular. Uh, whomst among us, as they say, we've all been in middle school gym. But also, I don't know if this is technically sweats, but I'm going to make the make the pivot to uh, Kyle's onesie robe situation that he had was incredible. It was like a squirrel or something. Um, but he must have spent like 20% of his packing regimen on just that robe, which honestly, I, I really respect. That was, that was a really good robe. And that's the second robe outerwear thing. We saw the, the thing that uh, Rogan wore a few episodes ago that looked like a, a, a nice little costume accessory that he brought. So I don't know how they teach him how to pack in the UK, but it's certainly not efficiently if those guys are porting those I guess it's not that far from the UK. So, but still international travel, you got to fit those in your, your suitcase. And they're the people in the group who have to check their bags. It's totally. I would say, I would say a big difference is that Rogan's was clearly an outerwear going out sort of coat. And Kyle's is very clearly an around the house Sherpa robe that looked very cozy. So that's, that's something you bring when you care about comfort and you don't necessarily care about function or, you know, winning challenges or anything like that. Or contributing any fantasy points whatsoever. Exactly. All right. All right. I feel like I'm getting married. <laughs> Justin, I'm going to go out of order here and go to you next since you, uh, you, you took that little shot below the belt. Fantastic. So I have two. My first one is with a bullet. My first MVP of the episode is – so Wes and Jordan get into an argument. Wes comes over, sits on Jordan's bench, starts yelling at him. Jordan starts yelling back. Jordan pulls some wild ass move and it shoves a six foot sausage in Wes's face. My MVP is that sausage. I want to know where it came from. Is that in the fridge? Did Jordan bring it? I think Jordan might have brought a sausage into the CZ. He he's the kind of guy who would like make his own sausage or beef jerky just to have extra protein around the house from the whenever whenever he's hungry. It is shocking that they give these people access to to kitchen stuff and trevor i was actually coming to you next anyway for your stars of the episode before you tell us yours is is that the standard way of packing meat in the czech republic in in six foot tubes 
you know, uh, my time in the Czech Republic, the primarily primary source of protein that, that we did have was was rabbit, uh, and occasionally ground horse meat at at school. So I can't speak to the summer sausage. It did look delightful, um, but unfortunately, Zach, I just can't. I just can't speak to that. That's okay. Can you can you speak to the stars of the episode? Absolutely, absolutely. So we had a big in my eyes. I think potato chips came out really strong at the beginning of the season. People were pouring bags into their mouth after a night out. This episode, cereal came in hard. Cereal served multiple purposes. You could eat your bowl of cereal while you were, you know, overhearing some gossip or something like that. But that is now the the chosen drunk food of the house. I also would like to say that cereal is imported. I believe that was oats, Cheerios. Um, I did have cereal when I was in Czech Republic. It was smuggled in by my family. We would bring golden grams and an entire uh, suitcase. Shout out Delta uh, for giving medallions, uh, checked bags. We loaded them up with golden grams. Uh, and we did actually also bring chocolate syrup with us because the milk tasted so poor that we would mix some chocolate syrup in the milk before we poured it on our cereal. So um, cereals come a long way in the CZ. Uh, but I'm I'm definitely still questioning if those Cheerios were Cheerios were domestic or not. Chocolate syrup and cereal. It sounds like a recipe for childhood diabetes. I'm Absolutely. I'm amazed you're doing so well these days. Oh man, Cindy, can you top that? Probably not. But um I think this was a big episode for Bear. And one moment that stood out to me in particular was Bear on the walkie-talkie, who suddenly turned into a five-year-old that just got walkie-talkies for Christmas for the very first time. And every time Bananas was about to start and he would say, okay, clear the channel, Bear would just keep talking over and over. So I think Bear and his walkie-talkies were the star of this episode. That that was really funny. One of you predicted that, that he was going to either like put his finger over the button or talk, talk over him, which is exactly what happened. I, you can't trust that guy with literally anything. He should have been the guy, the team who just runs the noodles in a straight line for sure. No chance. Bananas was definitely like, no, I'm in the car. I don't give a shit. And they're like, well, I guess bear has to do the math. (laughs) (laughs) I also, my initial thought was like, do they not, I could see walkie-talkies being a distinctly U.S. thing because we're we're stupid too, but I'm thinking it was probably just Bear having the weirdest childhood of all time. It's true. One thing that uh, is being slept on, but I love about our show is how we treat the United Kingdom as a, as a third world country. (laughs) It's, it's, it's pretty phenomenal that we just feel that everybody from England has been deprived of experiences that we had, like using a walkie talkie or or doing math or taxes, but that's just, (laughs) that's just where we are. Uh, So my star of the episode, you guys always get the best ones from within the episode, but I don't know if I've said on the show before, but uh, I'm a big marketing guy. I used to work at an ad agency. So I'm always looking for uh, the show between the show. And the commercial breaks, at least where I watch on the Xfinity app, are very strange. It, it alternates between HIV medication, pregnancy tests, Jersey Shore reunion show, and, uh, and some Gatorade products. And then one that really made a dominant debut uh, today were, were products from a company called Manscaped, which are manscaping products. And uh, the, the product that they were really featuring heavily today was called the Lawnmower 3.0. And when I think about manscaping, I think about 
gentle solutions for <laughs> you know for gentle problems and I personally cannot think of a product I would want to use less for a gentle problem that's something called the lawnmower 3.0. So that was my star of the episode because I honestly couldn't stop thinking about it and had to kind of rewind and catch up on the show because I was wondering who named that. But yeah, I'll, I'll keep a lookout and hopefully we can diversify these ads because they're, they're getting weird. And I guess I also forgot to mention the anti-vaping commercial, which I think is just a, a, standing, a standing star. It will be there forever and ever. You saw this one. I also saw, noted a commercial. There was a COVID-19 one right at the beginning with Anissa. And Anissa was telling me to go work out in this commercial. So Oof. I thought that was not, not their best marketing, maybe. I, I, I will say that Anissa looked fleeter of foot again than I would have expected in this challenge. So I think she's got some ste sneaky strength and speed. Justin, you, uh, you had an ad to mention? Yeah, no, no. I was saying that I, ha I had two stars of the episode and I was cut off for Trevor, which is fair. But while Jenna was talking to Zach, they had a very, they had a, a pretty long conversation for challenge uh, circumstances. And at the end, she's talking about why she's here. She, they're, she's like, she misses Zach and they both, Zach seems to be <laughs> being a relatively emotional, abusive and saying that he misses her and he's sick and, uh, of not seeing her and stuff. And at the end she goes, I don't know, we need money. And I, I feel that so much right now. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was really good. I, I just love how people talk about this reality TV show as like their income. Like this is, this is the job. And we know that that's not entirely true. I mean, they have millions of followers on social. Bear is, Bear is in these like luxury pools selling skinny tea. They're all, they're all doing okay. But anyway, that, that was great. And uh, Justin, what a perfect segue. We got a little bit of a hint uh, what we'll see next time. It looks like we'll see some more emotionally abusive Zach. That's Jenna's boyfriend, not, not me personally. Uh, we'll see the conclusion to the Rogan and Jay elimination. And we'll get a ladies elimination uh, next episode as well. So very curious to see who's going to be on the chopping block. I wonder if we'll get a Bailey or a Casey as one of the prospects or uh, we'll get two vets in there. Either way, it should be a lot of fun. So guys, thank you again for joining us. Uh, we had a, a blast. Uh, this is episode five of We Have the Numbers. One more reminder to subscribe to us on Spotify and to follow us on Instagram at We Have the Numbers Pod. All right, we'll see you next week.